the most dangerous excuse is the one you believe. Mm. And that really stuck out to me because especially in our world that we live in, the, you know, that we operate in, especially from a business standpoint, is that there's a lot of excuses that people make. And many times excuses are lame enough that people understand and identify, all right, this is a lame excuse. But when you trick yourself into believing an excuse, right. that is really dangerous because then you buy into it. Mm. And that keeps you from reaching your potential and maximizing your impact. Welcome to the Uncommon Freedom Show. Our purpose is to equip and inspire you to reach your potential, maximize your impact, and live a great life while you make the world a better place. I'm Kevin. And I'm Becca. We're your hosts. And today we have a special episode. Oh my gosh, we're so excited. So we just came off of our Level Up 2023 event in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thanks to our longtime friends, Doug and Tia Wood, for being uh, the masterminds and drivers behind this event and yes. really inviting us to partner with them. And it was the highlight. It was it was such an incredible event. Right. But the highlight for us was getting to two meet- Two speakers. Two actually. speakers, yeah. Uh, the first was Havila Cunnington. Yes. I've heard Havila. I followed her in women's Bible studies for a few years. Um, didn't really- know her full potential out there just because of my capacity and not having, you know, read everything she's put out and listened to everything she's put out. Hearing her live another time this at this event was uh, so impactful. I'm just reminded of she the fact that she's brilliant. Um, she likes to be a little self-deprecating, but she's truly brilliant. She um, really hears the heart of God and she communicates effectively. She's funny and witty, um, but she's really easy to follow. And I just feel like there were so many takeaways on opening night for her talk on boundaries and um, really set the stage for an incredible event. Sure was. And then the the icing the one and only icing on the cake was someone that we've looked up to for close to 12 years mm-hmm. uh, it was a name that when i first heard it i was like i've heard of him before right. but hadn't read any of his materials uh and that is the one and only john maxwell yes and in probably the summer of 2011 is when we were introduced to specifically his book the five levels of leadership uh, it's probably the first like really personal development book that i ever read And it's had a huge impact on our lives. So many of the concepts and the sayings and the slogans that you and I utter on a daily basis are things that either we're quoting from him or we're paraphrasing from him. Yes. And uh, we're finishing his sentences as he was talking (laughs) at the conference, which was fun because, you know, that just shows that it's been useful information. It hasn't just gone in one ear, not the other. Yeah. So if any of you are looking to grow, personally, professionally, to grow your leadership, whether as a spouse, a parent, an employee, a supervisor, or a business owner, uh, we recommend starting with the five levels of leadership and really from there, just devour anything that John Maxwell has written. He said he wrote, he's written 88 books. 88 books. Yeah. And the way he does that is he writes 30 minutes every single day. Yeah. On his birthday, on Christmas, every single day he writes. Right. But uh, it was awesome 
for anyone who has looked into having John Maxwell as a keynote, uh, number one, he's very selective about who he accepts. Uh, you know, he's obviously, he's advancing in age. And so he's, I think, even more careful with uh, who he partners with now more than ever. And he has several nonprofits that he's really passionate about, about right. um, not only spreading the gospel, but leadership principles uh, all over the world. Yes. But we had, you know, connections. What we are learning is that connections in life are really everything. And uh, we had really too complicated to get into, but our friend Trey Begin has a pastor who's on the board of of John's foundation or something. And that was kind of our in with John Maxwell. And, you know, the amazing thing in life is when people have credibility and they make a recommendation, Right, that's all most people need to follow up on that recommendation. So uh, it's, it's a reminder for us to be very careful about our reputation mm. and also to realize that referrals are one of the most powerful ways to build a new relationship with people. Like I look at some of the friends that we spend the most time with now, they're people that other people connected me with. Right. And, um, and if other people speak well of our friends, then that says a lot about the associations that we keep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyways, we were blessed to be able to have John Maxwell come to this event. Uh, he flew in on Thursday and the amazing thing was, oh my gosh, we were pinching there was, ourselves. Yeah, uh, there was three couples: us, Doug and Tia, and Trey and Leslie. We're able to have a ninety-minute dinner or yes. meal with John Maxwell, and it was absolutely surreal. We've actually seen him twice before at uh, Entree Leadership events, mm-hmm. and heard him speak. And I remember just being in awe. Those two times, right? And I think we got the five our original five levels levels of leadership was signed by him, and we got a photo taken with him. But obviously, it was just shuffling everyone through. Uh, one of the first things that really stuck out to me was we were on a Zoom with him and his staff about two or three weeks ago, kind of preparing yes. for this event. And that's that's one of the things is he chose to prepare. He didn't just come in with his canned stuff, which he could have chosen, you know, out of eighty eight books material to bring. He actually asked us about our organization so he would know how to serve us. And one of his phrases is, I'm just here to add value. Yes. And that's really how he lives his life. But the amazing thing to me was he walked in the door and I happened to be the closest to him. So I went, you know, basically running over to him and gave him a big hug. (laughs) And it was, I mean, it was overwhelming. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now. And what blew my mind was he said, where's Becca? Oh my God. I don't know if you... Are aware of that? I didn't know that. But Aww. he did the preparation. He knew who I was, right? Based on you know, I'm sure his staff said, "Okay, these are the three couples that are your hosts," right? And so he knew who I was. But what blew my mind away, he's like, "Where's Becca?" Oh my goodness! And and so he knew that you and I were together, and th- I was just like, "Wow!" You know, this guy is world renowned, and he cares about people. And it was just such a profound, I'll never forget that. It was such a profound reminder for me to be in, in the moment when you're with people and to make that investment and to care about others. And it's challenging because, um, you know, when we do a large event like this, we meet a lot of people. And I know one of my greatest concerns is when I meet people and I say things like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And they say, oh, we've already met before. Um, But it's hard for my brain to remember, you know, without name tags and looking at someone and having maybe a longer conversation or a point of connection. 
it's often really hard for my brain to remember people, partially because we know so many people now. We know thousands and thousands of people within our coaching organization and our friendships and our community. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, my brain just doesn't remember names or situations before. And so, um, one of the things I do when I meet new people, in fact, I did this a lot when I was meeting with Brooke Thomas the first couple of times I said, hi, my name is Becca. We've met before I'm friends with, and, and a couple of times she would say, oh, I know who you are. I know who you are. Cause the same thing mm-hmm. she prepared for me yeah. because she knew my friends and my friend's reputation you know, was attached to me. And yet I still did it a couple of times because I just figured, oh, Brooke meets a ton of people. And, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm terribly memorable when you look at me. And so I just wanted her to know. And um, it was a compliment when she said it, but it also reminded me of how much it means when someone like a John Maxwell will take the time and prepare to be in a room with us and actually know our names um, and to really just personalize the entire experience. The whole dinner was like you were chatting with a friend that you've known for 25 years and um, us as leaders, we came prepared because we've heard John talk and he wants people to come with time and questions or wants to come with questions um, to respect his time. At least that's how he shows up when he's with people. And so that's how we prepared well, ourselves. And I, I think it's not that, not so much that that's what he wants is he has, he knows that he has right. tremendous value to right. give. Just like in our business, We've been doing this now for 12 years. Right. Um, we're blessed to have one of the largest organizations in our parent, you know, within the parent company. We've learned a lot. Yeah. And it's always amazing when you're on a phone call or a Zoom with someone and all they do is talk. They talk at you. They talk yeah. at you, which, I mean, we want to get to know people. And people get excited. But when you're going to meet someone who you would consider to be a mentor, come prepared. Right. And And I think with John Maxwell, the point is, he has tremendous value to offer, and it's it's a little bit stupefying when you spend time with someone and all they do is talk at you right. versus saying, pour into me. And and so we all came prepared with questions like John Maxwell talked about doing when he met John Wooden back in the day and profound example for us. And he joked from stage, but we were a bit fighting over, our, just stepping over each other to ask our next questions because we realized our time with him was so finite. Yeah. And I remember looking at you afterwards and saying, I could go home now. Like we have a whole conference to run, but the one hour plus with him, um, I had so much value from that one hour conversation. Uh, I, I don't know how he continues to bring more value with every word that comes out of his mouth, but it's because he cares so much because of the power of the five, how he lives his life and the disciplines that he lives by. But man, what a man of character. And one of the things that stood out to us, I can't remember if we asked a question or he just threw this nugget out like he did so many times, but he talked about um, when you're, when you're, um, when you're a big person, then when you're with other people, you make them feel bigger. And when you're a small person, when you're with other people, you make them feel smaller. And his point was, you know, you can be in a room of people that are more popular, you know, they're, they're um, smarter than you. They um, have gone further in life. But if you don't make the people in the room feel bigger when they're with you, then you're actually a small person. And I thought, I, I know I'm butchering how he said it, but basically as I sat there, I thought you are literally a walking example of what you are talking about. You don't say one thing and behave a different way. Mm-hmm. There's complete alignment in what he says and how he shows up to people. Absolutely. Uh, it was interesting. We just had the Super Bowl here in Phoenix, uh, whatever, about a month ago. I don't even remember when it was. Uh, and a friend of mine, Ben, invited me to this um, Cigars and Stars type uh, VIP event. And I love cigars, but I really don't like hanging around celebrities because 
they make you feel small yeah. most of the time. There's very few celebrities that actually make you feel like you're anyone special. And we, in our microcosm world that we live in, we can understand what that's like, but I actually, you know, passed up on the event, uh, partly because I had no idea or n- no, no real desire to go hang around a bunch of, uh, stars, VIPs that don't care who I am, which I understand, uh, as like, it just, it doesn't fill my cup yet. Right. You know, John Maxwell feels, I think has a gift and intentionality to make every single person that steps in front of him feel like they're his friend and he's their friend right? and that they're important to him. Uh, let's turn the corner on just some of the, the takeaways because, you know, one of the other things I would say about John is that he offers so much value. You know, we've listened to so many books, podcasts, interviews, and heard him speak now several times live. And every time, take notes. But the flip side is his message is actually very simple. The most dangerous excuse is the one you believe. Mm. And that really stuck out to me because especially in our world that we live in, the, you know, that we operate in, especially from a business standpoint, is that there's a lot of excuses that people make. And many times excuses are lame enough that people understand and identify, all right, this is a lame excuse. But when you trick yourself into believing an excuse, right. that is really dangerous because then you buy into it. Mm-hmm. And that keeps you from reaching your potential and maximizing your impact. Were there any other kind of unique nuggets that stood out to you? Uh Keep going because I feel like my brain is so full and, you know, I, I want to hear what else you took notes on. So, so let's uh, real quick, just kind of recap the power of five. John talked about five everyday essentials for success is number one, know what I want to accomplish. Number two, have the right tool. Yes. Take action is number three, zero success without action. Right. And I think that's the, well, actually I would say number two and three are key. So if you think about what you want to accomplish with your life, uh, might have to do with impact, might have to do with investing in your family. Uh, and the analogy that John gave is if I have a tree in my backyard and I want to chop it down, that number one, I have to know what I want to accomplish. That is, I want to chop down the tree. Number two is I have to have the right tool. And so he talked about the fact that if every day you go out and take five swings at the tree with an ax, eventually the tree will fall. It's it's a matter of fact. Right. If you go out and you swing a baseball bat at the tree five times, you'll never take the tree down. All you're going to have is a bruised tree. Right. And what I, the way that I kind of internalize that is looking at for what you want to accomplish in life, is your career path the right tool to get there? Because mm. uh, I was thinking about just where I was as a police officer with the schedule limitations that I had, the emotional baggage that came with that career field and the financial limitations, the life that I dreamed of would have been impossible with that tool. Right. And so a lot of times we talk about, um, I was climbing the ladder, but my ladder was leaning up against the wrong building. Right. And so that building is kind of like that tool. So to really reevaluate is the ladder that you're climbing, the right tool to help you get to where you want. Um, Number four was to stay focused. 
uh, you know, he talked about that if you've got a bunch of trees in your backyard and every day you're taking five swings at a different, different tree. tree. Yeah, that was such a profound. It's like, wow, so many yeah. people struggle with that focus. Right. And then number five was be consistent. You know, John said consistency compounds. When you could afford to quit, you can't afford, afford to quit. Yes. Absolutely love that. Don't you think that describes where we are in life now? 100%. In our business specifically. Yeah. Right. We quit, we can technically afford to quit, but the problem is the gift that was given to us is so precious to us now and so um, impactful that we now steward the lives of so many clients and coaches that we can't imagine walking away from that. Um, it's yeah, too important to us. John was talking about, you know, he's 76 years old. People are like, when are you going to retire? He's like, I'm never going to retire. Like right. he's seeing exponential impact right. because of the compound effect of his life. And so- does he speak as in, as much as he used to? No, but he still does a lot. But the the compound, everything he does has even more leverage now than it did probably 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, even 20 or 10 years ago. Right. And uh, I just love that. You know, when you can afford to quit, you really can't afford to. That's where we see so many people go backwards, whether it's in their health journey, right? They get to their healthy weight and then they quit the healthy habits and they go backwards or it's in business or even marriage, right? You get to the point where you have a great marriage, you know, it's easy to prioritize counseling and, you know, together time. Yeah. I mean, it's that empty nest phase really. Like you right. paid the price during the years when uh, parenting is challenging, your finances might've been tighter, your time was probably very committed. And then you get to this empty nest phase where you should have more time together, probably healthier finances. You can afford things like counseling if you need it. And a lot of people just quit and walk away um, because they probably didn't spend enough time in all those years building up to that point. Um, and, and it's sad when you see that walk away. Yeah. And the, the, the last thing that John said on this specific concept is if you're thinking about quitting, just quit on the first day. Mm. Right? Don't waste the time. So good. Don't waste the time. It's like, wow, that is absolutely profound. Um, what else do you have? I okay. mean, we're, we're just scratching I mean, the surface yeah, and we're, we're going to wrap this up here. We're barely going to be able to cover it. But um, I think just briefly, and then we could come back to this topic later, was he talked about how to have a return on failure. And he said he's written, I think, three books on failure. I know we've listened to at least two of them. Um, actually, the third got, one's coming out. Oh, right? the third one's coming out. That's right. And yeah. uh, and one of them, I think he has a teenage version of, and actually all, I had all of our boys listen to that over the summer. Um, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, I think is the title of that book. And... Um, he just talks about, you know, keeping failures right by your successes. And I can tell you as leaders, that really spoke to me because, um, you know, we still deal with some comparative reality, but he just talks about how when you keep your failure next to your success, it helps you stay humble, humble and it also teaches you resiliency at the same time. Um, he was actually talking to us at that private dinner about um, the need for leaders to really expose their challenges and weaknesses and failures along the way. And he said, you know, so many times we get to leadership, the level of leadership, you know, he didn't use the word pinnacle, but potentially you could be at that pinnacle level and you no longer show uh, the effort and the pain and even the current failures that you're going through. And it makes it seem unachievable. And so when people start something like a business and they start failing quickly, which everyone does, they feel like there's no way they're ever going to get to where you are. Instead of reminding them, no, I failed at that same point and I just kept going forward. And that's one of the things when he shows up and tells his stories, which he's in a master storyteller, is he talks about a lot of his failures. And he's so transparent on that, that you think if this man who is so gifted can fail so many times and be where he's at, it makes you feel like you can do it too. 
And it was such a, a powerful reminder, I think, for us as leaders when we deal with our coaches and even from the dealing, you know, coaching our clients and how they feel on their experiences, talking to our kids. You know, I talked, I think, on the last podcast about sometimes we want our kids to show up like we show up now in our mid 40s with all of the, the time, the effort, and the skills that we've developed. And our kids are so, uh, so far at the beginning of their journey that it feels hard to see where they're at and, and not where they are going yet. And I think it's just reminding ourselves like we had messy rooms. We made a lot of mistakes as teenagers. And the reason we are where we are is we have failed forward in our life in a lot of cases. Yeah. The, he talked about there, that there are good misses and bad misses, right? right? There's, there's good failures and there's bad failures. Um, you know, one of the things we, we talked about is just a recent challenge we had with someone we used to work with and they, you know, did a social media post basically mocking people um, who do our health program four times and they're going to do it again. And our perspective is, well, you're a quitter and you're going to lose if you don't do it a fifth time. If try number four didn't work for you. The key is, was it a good miss or a bad miss? Did you learn something from the failure? Right. Right. And if you don't make that adjustment, because this is the five stages that John talks about having a process to get a return on failure. And the first is testing, then failing, learning. Stage four is improving. And then he talks about the fact re-entering. He, he uses this graphic and every time it's like you a spiral staircase, up. you're working your way up. Right. So the key is when you fail, right. did you learn something? So for example, with our clients, a lot of times people come in with a diet mentality and we tell people, if you treat this like a diet, you will fail. Right. You'll lose the weight. It'll come back. Yep. A good so the, coach will say that at the beginning. Absolutely. And set the standard that we don't want you to do this over and over again. Correct. But we're humans and right. we're, we're falling. And we talk about, you know, really four components. And we tell people, if you only use one, you've got a 25% chance of success, roughly. Right. And so sometimes people, they just, they want to give that one a shot and it might work for a while. They fail. And so the key is re-entering. All right. Are you willing to embrace all four components? Right. And well, maybe they're just, it's two. And maybe next time it's three, maybe next time it's four. Right. And then, you know, so the key is, are you re-entering? Are you climbing up that spiral? Are you learning from your mistakes? Because the only way that you lose is if you quit. Yep. And, you know, I, we talk about this analogy of to be successful, you have to row upstream. Right. Culture, community, society is going downstream. Yep. John talks about uphill and downhill. It's basically the same concept. Right. And his point is that uh, easy thing is to go downhill. The hard thing is to go uphill. But I if, think he said most people have uphill dreams and downhill habits. Exactly. And so he basically says success is all uphill. Yep. And, 100%. Um, and we would agree with that. It's like we none of this has really ever been easy. There's been, you know, seasons where we feel like it's smoothed out a little bit and then it gets hard again. Yeah. Um, but that hard has actually shaped who we are as people. And the way we can speak from stage now and the experiences and the things we've learned have come from taking that next step forward, even when it felt uphill. Um, Absolutely. We're so grateful for the journey. And did we talk about just how generous our group was yet? Oh my goodness. We did not. Let's finish with that. All right. Do you want to, do you want to share? Yes. So, um, so John has two organizations that we, uh, shared with the 2300 roughly, uh, people that were at the conference and they, one is more faith-based, but what they do is they go out and they, they teach leadership development to 
all kinds of people across the globe, including high schools now in some of the states. And um, some of it has a faith component and some of it doesn't. And so uh, we asked the audience if they were feeling called and you really did an incredible talk on stewardship to some of our leaders to start with. And you talked about stewarding all kinds of things, but especially our finances. You talked about tithing and giving. And then we challenged the group that, hey, as leaders, we're going to give. And if you're feeling called to do this, we we encourage you to support some of John. He did, takes none of the money. It all goes into the, the ministries that he supports and the nonprofits. And uh, as a whole, in 2,300 people, roughly, we raised close to $400,000. I think the last number we saw was about $384,000. Right. Um, when you think about it, our event was held in a huge church. And I doubt that their weekly giving is anywhere close to $384,000. So it was, it was amazing. The cool thing about John's approach is he actually works many times. He works with the top 10% because what John knows. In a developing country. Right. Right. And John knows that everything rises and falls on leadership. And uh, there's a quote, I think it was Napoleon. Uh, I might get this wrong, but he is, I would rather face an army of lions led by a sheep than an army of sheep led by a lion. And that is John's approach. The point is when you can train that top level of leadership and help them elevate their leadership, they're going to bring everybody in their right. country and their community up. Right. And so instead of focusing on um, the, the the bottom 10%, which every soul has worth equally, yes. but the point is it's like, are you trying to train the, you're going to have, you're going to accomplish more with that army of of sheep being led by lions than you will an army of lions being led by sheep. Right. So it takes that leadership for that cultural shift in a, any community or country. And so he knows that he's wise to do that. Yeah. So friends, thanks for listening. This is uh, definitely, it's a break between our uh, initial series and then we're actually going to move on to a parenting series. I imagine we'll come back with some more John Maxwell material. We're definitely looking forward to spending more time with him. Uh, we're, we're hoping to go on an international trip with him probably in the next year or two. And, you know, there's some people that if you have the opportunity to get in the room with them, you move things around yes. and we have every intention of yes. doing that. So friends, uh, really start with five levels of leadership. Anything that John Maxwell has written, digest it and put it into practice. And uh, we know your life will. And let us know blessed. what you think of this podcast. We would love it if you would uh, give us a five-star review and share us with your family and friends and uh, tune in for more exciting episodes. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Freedom Show. We believe freedom isn't man's invention. It was created by God. You can connect with us at beckandkev.com for more resources to learn biblical principles, essential disciplines, and winning habits that help once average people lead the life they want instead of accepting the life they were given. Mm -hmm.